0: All of our praises. And as we continue, would you turn to your neighbor this morning and just greet them? Welcome to Crossroads Ministries because we are very glad to have you here worshiping with us today. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, because I want to see you. I want to see you. Amen. You can be seated as we continue, please. you're the lord of this nation you are you're the light in the darkness you're the hope to the hopeless you're the peace to the restless you are ¡Gracias!
1: You know, what a song. I love that song. I really do. Just the other day I was over, I was telling somebody earlier, I was in Greenfield, which is uh, right above Homestead. and I'm looking at all these houses. They're all packed, filled with people. People are all over the streets, running around, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, who's going to tell these people about Christ? You know, we live out here in our little cocoon, Finleyburg. And uh, we go in town where your business is in Carrick, Bob, and people are everywhere. They're like ants. They're all over the place. And uh, I don't think they've ever been. The Bible doesn't say that, but they're everywhere. And, uh, boy, what a, our city is virtually untouched. you know that? With the gospel. So that song encourages me. That inspires me. Please reach in the book rack somewhere near you and find one of those little black friendship folders, and if you can find one of those uh, this morning, just pull it out and put your name on it and give it to somebody sitting near you. We're so thankful you're here today. This is the first day we started our elective classes. I think the snows spooked a few people uh, this morning, but uh, the people have come out to do the classes this morning, and we're thankful for that. Jim Watts was telling me about the men's breakfast um, yesterday. You know, uh, people don't like to sign up for things. You know that? They just like to come. And so we had this great plan that we're going to ask men to register for the breakfast so that they can know how to prepare down there at the restaurant, this little restaurant in Finleyville. So we had about, I think, about 25, 27 men signed up. 45 men showed up. And uh, I think it traumatized those people. I don't think they'll ever be the same over there. (laughs) Hal, who works over there, goes to our church, I haven't seen him this weekend. I think you guys ruined him. Uh, uh, The moral of the story is men don't sign up. That's the moral of the story. (laughs) Yes, Yes, thank you. We'll have to have have a new plan next time around. (laughs) Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning and we'll uh, receive our morning offering together. We thank you uh, so much each week for your generosity. We appreciate it greatly. Let's thank the Lord now for, uh, for this offering. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can come together in the church. We thank you that you've given us a means of income, a way to support our family, uh, the strength, the energy to get up and go to work, uh, to make uh, a living. And now, Lord, we come together as your church to provide a living for the church. Uh, and our missionary projects around the world. We pray that you'll bless now each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
0: Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me and I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth and I will daily I will always
2: Sing with a chorus Resounding Before us Holy is His name His name Exalted He is Exalted Oh. Exalted. Oh! God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you give us voices to praise you. We thank you that we can be here in your presence, God. You are so worthy to be praised. We thank you that we were able to join the angels this morning in praising your holy name. God, we just ask for the service now as it continues. You will bless our pastor as he brings your word. Lord, may your Holy Spirit just open our eyes to truth. Draw us closer to you, God. May you be glorified in this place as you have already been, God. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
3: Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And we thank you, singers and uh, instrumentalists, for lifting our spirits this morning. What a song, man. Mike doesn't do bad either when he sings that, does he? Book of Revelation, I'd like to just give you a, for the next few weeks an introduction to the book of Revelation. I want to whet your appetite because a lot of times, you know, people, they, they come to the book of Revelation and they say, Boy, I'm not going there. That's too hard for me. A lot of things in there I can't understand. Well, that, there probably is a lot of things in there we can't exactly understand, but there are some things that we can understand. And for that and that reason alone uh, and uh, because of what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, we should do our best to understand what this book is all about. So what does the future hold? Verse number one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants. The book of Revelation was given to the Lord by the Lord to show his servant some things. That's you and that's me. Uh, There's something in here for you, for your life, and something in here for mine. Things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. There's kind of like a chain of command here. God, the angel, John, you, and me. Uh, The Lord works through various different means, and He sends His message uh, in different ways, and He uses everybody along the way. Verse 2, Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that He saw. Verse number 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Now, for those of you who like to underline things in your Bible, please underline these three things in this verse number three. First of all, the person who simply reads, underline the word reads. Uh, reading has always been in. It's always current. You and I do that all week long. Everywhere we are, we, we like to read. Uh, the second thing is those who hear, underline the word hear. Hear. Uh, We are an over-informationalized society, aren't we? And Sometimes we think, boy, if I have to hear another thing, my head is going to explode. Have you ever felt like that? Sure. Uh, The next word to underline is the word hear, and then notice this. Hear the words of this prophecy, and the next word to underline is the word keep. And so that's the progression. Uh, We read it, we hear it, we listen, and we keep it. For the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. John now is listening to the angel, to the Lord. And he's writing this message. The message first of all goes to the church. The church is the body of Christ on earth. He is the head. We are the members. Uh, He's supposed to do the thinking. We're supposed to do the acting. Uh, We are his... uh, We are his hands, we are his legs, we are his mouthpiece, and uh, we are his person on earth during the church age. So he writes to the church in verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. This is none other than God Almighty himself right here. Psalm 90 verse 2 says, From everlasting to everlasting He is God. And so, from as far as you can go in that direction, He is God. And as far as you can go in that direction, He is God also. And so here we find it stated just in a a different way, right here. Uh, To Him who is, who was, and is to come. That's the Lord God Almighty. And from the seven spirits... Now, in my Bible, there's a scripture reference, and the reference here is Isaiah 11:21. 21. And in Isaiah 11:21, 21, it talks about the attributes of the Spirit of God, or the seven attributes of the Spirit of God, and you can look that up later. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Now, here we find a, a statement in this verse about Christ. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests to God the Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And here's the big one right here. You ready for it? Verse 7. Behold, he he is coming with clouds, And every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so, amen. Now, our Bible, your Bible, the Bible you have probably in front of you, reads this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. But in some English translations of the Bible, it reads this, the Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Because you see the English word there, the first word in verse number one? It is the Greek word "apocalypse," from which we get the English word apocalypse. This book is an apocalypse. The word apocalypse is derived from two words, apo, which means to take away, and kalupsis, which means the covering. Whenever Jesus came to earth, people saw God up close and personal. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Uh, I speak for him. And then remember, he took his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up into the Mount of Transfiguration. And there his whole being became illuminated. The glory of God just emanated, emitted from the person of Jesus. And Peter and James and John said, you know, I think we ought to stay here for a while. I like this atmosphere. I like to see Jesus like this. And so when Jesus came to earth, we got a glimpse of who God is and and when he was transfigured on the mount of transfiguration, we saw more, and the book of Revelation we see more probably you 've seen uh, at least you 've seen on television. I know uh, people who do sculptures you know they may have a, it may be a big sculpture, it may be just a uh, a partial sculpture, and they they work a long time on it, and they have an unveiling and people come together and they want to see the work of this person who made the sculpture and so they have a they have a cover or a, a sheet over a covering over the sculpture and, and they say okay now we're ready to see the sculpture and, you know they pull it off and everybody goes oh what a fine sculpture well that's the meaning of the book of revelation here is Jesus and uh, the book of revelation is doing this Apocalypsis, take away the covering. Let's see Jesus, let's see more of Jesus than we have ever seen of him before. Well, uh, Charles Spurgeon, you've heard him quoted many times. I guess that will never end. He was a very famous preacher in London, England, prolific writer. He said this, We need a revelation of Jesus. The great fault of many professors, he says, is that Christ is to them a a character upon paper, certainly more than a myth, but yet a person of the dim past an historical personage who lived many years ago and did most admirable deeds by which we are saved, but who is far from being a living, present, bright reality we need a revelation, Spurgeon said, of Jesus. And so, if Spurgeon said it, I believe it. But uh, Jesus said it here before Spurgeon. Here it is, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, many people divide the New Testament in a different division. Somebody has divided it this way. Matthew through Acts is history. Romans through Jude is doctrine. And Revelation is prophecy. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't prophecy in other parts of the New Testament. There is. But primarily, we think that Revelation is prophecy. You know, there are so many interesting things, and I've told you this before. When I first became serious about the Lord, I, uh, I wanted... I, the first book of the Bible that I read was Revelation when I first became serious with, with the Lord. I wanted to know the end of the story. I wanted to see how it came out. And you know when you read the book of Revelation, uh, you'll find that uh, it comes out really good at the end. It has a great grand en- ending to it. The book of Revelation is interesting. It talks about the second coming of Christ to the earth to set up his kingdom on earth. He came the first time as a lamb. He comes the second time as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Antichrist is in the book of Revelation. You know, we've always been trying to figure out who the Antichrist was, you know. I remember we had it figured out one time. It was Henry Kissinger. We knew it was him. He had all the qualities. Well, we think now that's probably not so. We're always trying to pinpoint him. Who is this monster that... He's going to come on the earth and lead a rebellion against God. He, well, it's in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist. Uh, we're always trying to look for him. And then there's the mark of the beast. Remember that 3, 6, what is it? Six, six, 6, Joanne and I went to, I think it was the first time we went to Israel. We got over there. We were all excited. You know, you go to Israel, man, your eyes just, you know, you can't take it in. It's too much. And uh, so we're on a tour bus and I... Somebody had told me that all the license plates on the public buses in Israel are prefixed with 666. And they were. I thought it was just hocus-pocus. But they were, and I thought, when we started seeing the license plates of 666, I said, this is the end now. But that's in the Bible. The Great Tribulation is in the Bible. Jesus referred to it in Matthew twenty four twenty one. He says there's going to be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time no or ever shall be. Jesus said there's big tribulation coming in the, in the world. The final victory over the devil is there. His 1,000-year imprisonment. Uh, wow. I, I know that you know that my mother lived a long time I think she was about 97 years old when she said to me, Johnny, you always be Johnny. You never get rid of that. Johnny, uh, bring me the two commentaries on Revelation. Now I'm a hope that when I, (laughs) if I ever live that long, that I'm as interested in her as the commentaries of Revelation. She says, bring me those two commentaries on Revelation. I want to read them again. Well, Revelation is interesting. Every time something happens in the world, we think this is the end, right? Am I right? Every time something happens in the Middle East, well, I know that we were treated in the news to uh, this meteorite. How many people are familiar with that? Um, I get my news where most of you get your news right here. And so on Mail Online, uh, these are the headlines of the meteorite. Fireball from outer space. A thousand people injured as a 40-ton meteor traveled at 33,000 miles an hour explodes over a terrified town. Some of you have seen the pictures. Large object flashed across the sky. Pictures show a streak of smoke followed by several bright blasts of flames. Eighty-two of the injured are children and two are in intensive care. It landed in the lake town, Cheberbal, a neighboring town. 60,000 square feet of roof, roof at a zinc factory collapsed. One local said it was like a scene from the Armageddon movie. Every time something like that, some extra strange thing happens in the world, we think the end is coming. And I think there it is. These are some of the images that you saw on the news. Well, you know, that kind kind of deduction is called newspaper exegesis. When When you see something that happens in the news, then you run to the Bible and you try to figure out where it is. And we're always susceptible to that, aren't we? Well, this book is about the future. Let's go back to verse number one. Okay, that was the introduction. Now let's go to verse number one. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must surely take place. Shortly. You'll notice here in verse number one, we find the word shortly, and in the last word in verse number three is near. The time is near. Now remember, they're relative terms. Near to you and shortly to you is different than near to God and shortly to God. And so when you're thinking about near and shortly, you're thinking about today or tomorrow. But God doesn't work on that schedule. He's got a different one. And so it could be a long time, but to Him it's the same reference. Nonetheless, it's in the future. We know that. And we believe that when we read the Bible that the golden rule of interpretation is this, and this is always good to remember, when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, look for no other sense. I always get a little worried when somebody says, well, this, this is what the Bible says, but this is what it means. I always like to think, if this is what the Bible says, shouldn't that mean this is what the Bible says. <laughs> now, I know that there are some things that are figurative in the Bible and symbolic and things like that, but the plain things, plainly spoken, if, uh, if that's what it says, then we deduce that's what it means, right? So the golden rule of interpretation is this. When the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. We believe that this is a prophecy. And uh, this is just an introduction this morning. The book of Revelation is rooted in the Old Testament. Listen to this. It contains more than 500 allusions to the Old Testament. And so as you're reading through here, your mind is saying, hey, I've seen that before. It's in the Old Testament. 278 of the 404 verses in the book of Revelation, that's almost 90, 70% make a reference to the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament, there, were, there was the time of beginning or prophecy. In the Revelation, there was the consummation, the fulfillment of that prophecy. Let me just give you an example. The first time we see Jesus in the Bible is in Genesis 3.15. Now, it's kind of hard to see, but He's there, the champion. Genesis 3.15. The last time we see him, he's in the book of Revelation. He's introduced in the book of Genesis, but fully seen in the book of Revelation. We see him in the Revelation like we've never seen him before. Here's another one, the church. The church was established by Jesus in Matthew 16, 18. Uh, He said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, but... In Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, we find the church seemingly mentioned for the last time. From chapter 4 all the way to the end of Revelation, we can't find the church any longer. We presume that the church has been raptured before the tribulation takes place on earth. We presume that. We may not be exactly have the exact interpretation, but it looks like that. In the book of Revelation, we have the resurrection of the glorified saints. In this world, we talk about justification, don't we? Just as though we've never sinned. We talk about sanctification and we throw this thing out and it's called glorification and everybody says, boy, what's that look like? Well, in Revelation, it shows us what it looks like. The glorification of the saints. On and on it goes. Let's look at a special blessing in verse number 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep these things which are written in in it, for the time is near. For everybody who assimilates, I like that word, assimilates the book of Revelation, there's a blessing. I've had people who've said, you know, I never touch the book of Revelation, I'm afraid of it. I don't want to have anything to do with it, I don't understand it. The Bible says, if you assimilate the book of Revelation, I'll bless you. There's a blessing to be stowed upon you if you read it, if you listen to it, and you keep it. Now, he, he uses this progression, and we mentioned this earlier. Uh, back during biblical times, they, don't had, they didn't have Bibles like we have. You know, in our house, I trip over all my Bible. I got them everywhere. They're just like, they grow they're just everywhere. Back in that day, people didn't have Bibles. There might have been a, a collection of writings or maybe somebody was fortunate to have a whole Bible. And so the people would come together and the reader would read his what he had and the people would listen. They, they didn't have the privilege that you and I have to have their Bible. And so they would listen, and I think they'd probably write down some notes on what the reader was reading about. But most of their learning was through hearing. That's why Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by what? Hearing, Hearing. and hearing by the Word of God. We beat people up all the time. Read the Bible, read the Bible. And there's nothing that wrong, wrong with that. But hearing the Bible has the same effect. I've been enjoying listening to the Bible recently. I've I've always loved to read it. I have my little smartphone which I can barely use. I end up calling people in the church and they say, "Pastor, what do you want?" And I said, "I did I call you?" I didn't know that. Anyway, the moral of the story, I have uh the Bible on my phone. I was just listening to it this morning before I came to church. I went through about five or ten chapters just this morning. And I've been enjoying recently reading the Bible. That way, it's the same thing. And so the reader would get up in church and he would read and the listeners would listen, but but that was not to be the end. Look what it says, and keep those things which are written. The book of Revelation is more than information, it's instruction to change the way we live. And no matter where you find yourself in the Bible, if you read the Bible, your life will change. I guarantee that to you. Somebody says, well, how do you know that? Well, I've experienced it in my life, and I think most everybody who's a Bible reader has experienced it in their life. Amen? I mean, it changes your life. You can't be the same. Because when you open the Bible, you are within proximity of the voice of God. This is the voice of God the Bible, God's eternal word. And so when we open it, it's like, whoa, God comes out. And so when we get that close to God, our life begins to change. And so there's a special blessing for those who read. Uh, And then there's a statement of praise to Jesus here, the second thing in verse number five, and They they begin to praise Jesus here. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. You see the word witness there? It's the Greek word for martyr. Because back in that day when a person witnessed for Christ, many of them died. It was a dangerous thing to witness for Christ. Now when Jesus lived on earth, he died. I don't think he was a martyr in the technical sense like we look at today because most martyrs have to have their life taken away from them forcibly. Jesus did not have his life taken away from him forcibly. He gave his life. He surrendered it voluntarily. He laid it down. But he did lose his life, of course, in the process. He is called the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead, the first one resurrected in a different manner. He's called the ruler over the kings of the earth. In Revelation 17 and Revelation 19, he is king of kings and what? Lord of lords. And so there are all these kings all over the earth and they're playing king. One of these days, the king's coming back. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's Jesus they're referring to right here. And notice something else here. Uh, He's ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us. Now that's interesting. William Newell, who was a Bible scholar, calls this statement the gospel of past tense. The gospel that the devil hates. And his reasoning is this is because in many churches, the pastor is always saying, God loves you, God loves you, Christ loves you, and ends up giving the congregation a false sense of security that everybody is okay. And I went to that church, a church like that, when I was a kid. And the pastor kept always saying that God loves you, God loves you, and you walk out of church and you say, I'm okay But that's, in a sense, not true. God does love us, but we're not okay. If we were okay, we'd never have to accept Him as our Savior. We'd just be okay. And so William Newell says here, this is the gospel of the past tense, and uh, the congregation should not lose sight, and if they're always hearing this God loves you thing, that they're going to lose sight of their sinnerhood and the substitutionary atonement of the cross where the love of God and of Christ was once for all supremely set forth. He loved us. And where did He love us the most? At the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about the love of Christ, we need to go back there to the cross. He loved us and washed us. He loved us when we were... Dirty, and then He washed us. He made us kings and priests. That refers to royalty. Uh, we are His special servants. We are priests of God today. We represent God to man and man to God. And we offer Him sacrifices as a priest. But the sacrifice we offer is the sacrifice of praise to God. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. "...let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God." That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Verse seven is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Look, Matthew 24, 42. Let's read that uh, together. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now I'm gonna give you another chance to participate, okay? Let's read it together. Watch, therefore, for you do not know What hour your Lord is coming? The Lord says in His life, I want you to watch. Be on the lookout. I'm coming back. And the Bible says here in verse number 7, He's coming with clouds. And that's exactly what Acts chapter 1 verse 9 said. He was received up into a cloud when He left Jerusalem. The angel said, the same Jesus which is taken up into heaven will so come again in like manner. And we believe that that means this, that Jesus was uh, ascended visibly and physically into a cloud. And so when He comes back, He's coming back visibly, physically, in a cloud. Now clouds in the Bible sometimes are used of people. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. And of course we believe that when Jesus comes back again that some of his saints are coming back with him. So when Christ comes back again there's going to be some clouds and there's going to be some people. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 says the same thing. The son of man coming with clouds of heaven. Matthew 26:64 says, "Nevertheless I say to you there Thereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power coming on the clouds of heaven. Time and time and time again. And so when you look up into the sky and you look at those clouds, just think about Jesus. That's the way He's coming back. And uh, He's also going to be seen by those who pierced Him. Uh, Zechariah 12.10 confirms this. Matthew 24.30 confirms it as well those people who pierced him. Every eye will see him come back again. And they're going to mourn because of him. The entire Jewish population will recognize him as their Savior. Now, Rick, you gave me a good commentary when you first came to this church. Raise your hand. I want people to see you. So hold your hand up, okay? Okay. It was the Jewish New Testament commentary by David Stern. And he writes in this commentary about, uh, from a Jewish perspective, the New Testament. And uh, he says that uh, the reason why these Jews will be saved when Jesus comes back is because of Zechariah 13.1. God will pour out His Spirit of grace upon the nation of Israel. Uh, the nation who has who has rejected Jesus, looked at Him as a false Messiah, a false prophet for all these years, will be converted. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. Romans 11, 25, and 26. The Bible says all of Israel will be saved. And so God then is going to remove the blind spot from the eyes of the nation of Israel when Jesus comes back again. And the simple reason is this. is because when Jesus came the first time, They were looking for him to come as a lion. But he came as a lamb. But this time, he's coming the way they were looking for him the first time. He's coming as a lion of the tribe of Judah with power and great glory. And the scales will fall off of their eyes and they will first of all, before anything, mourn because they had told generation after generation that Jesus himself was a false prophet. And then they will trust him as their Messiah, their living Savior. The Bible says every eye shall see him. I don't know exactly how that's going to happen. Maybe it's um, Fox News, CNN, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so, though. No. I think that the God who comes back again has the miraculous power to in some way put a personal picture in the front of everyone's eye on the planet to see him coming back over Jerusalem. And uh, for people who are living here in Pittsburgh at the time, uh, our miraculous God can, do, can appear in any form or fashion and miraculous way he wants to. But the Bible says every eye will see the coming of the Lord when he comes back again. Um, And uh, that will prove that he is indeed who he claimed to be, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the God of eternity. That's the God that we serve today. Let's bow our heads as we prepare for communion. And so, gentlemen, if you're prepared for communion, uh, please uh, take your place. And as they're taking their place for communion, I'd like to ask you this morning to look into your heart and see if there's some things in there that uh, need to change in your life. Because communion means simply that. It means being in union with the Lord. Maybe there are some things in your life that that you can change right now? Or maybe there's some things in your life that you can start to change. It may take you a long time to change. Whatever it is, let's look down in our heart right now and ask the Lord to begin the change. The scripture says, Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Lord, now as we prepare to partake of communion together in the church this morning... We pray that our hearts will be indeed in communion with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Gentlemen, please serve the congregation. And as our men serve the congregation communion, I'd like to ask you whenever you partake of this little piece of bread that you'll cherish it in your hand and look at it. It symbolizes the...